0: morning, church. My name is Brian, and I am one of the two youth pastors that we have on staff here at River Oaks in case this is your first time that you are here worshiping with us. And we're really glad that everybody has chosen to be here on this Thanksgiving weekend. Um, I hope that you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I know for some of us, we celebrate a lot of traditions um, this time of year. Perhaps you take your family photos that might end up on your Christmas card that you send out to other people. Perhaps you and your siblings fight over who gets to break the wishbone from the turkey. Or maybe you gather around a television as a family and you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and you marvel at the amazing floats and balloons that parade down 6th Avenue. For years, my family had this tradition of going down to Myrtle Beach and my, my grandparents would um, treat us to a beachfront condo. Um, down at Myrtle Beach. And for whatever reason, don't ask me why, my favorite tradition was always watching The Magician's Code. Magic's biggest secrets finally revealed. It was a TV special that came on in the early 90s. I see a couple of heads shaking. Yeah, you remember that. Um, so, and of course, football. Maybe football is a better tradition to celebrate than magic. But um, anyhow, that was just my, my tradition. For some people, though, I realize that this time of year is a little more difficult. Uh, perhaps there was an empty, empty seat around the table, around dinner table for the first time this Thanksgiving because somebody in your family is no longer with us. Perhaps there are strange relationships or circumstances within your family that have caused you to make a new normal this year. Whether this year was full of joy and laughter or perhaps tears and frustration, I would l- encourage us all to adopt a posture of thanksgiving to God for His provision In our lives, how many of you have ever seen the TV show uh, Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show? Uh, It's it's a late show. Maybe you're a little like me, and I'm asleep on the sofa at nine thirty just about every single evening. Like, is it midnight? And Casey's like, no, it's only nine o'clock, Brian. Uh, But, because of that, I have to catch up on one of my favorite segments of TV, and that's um, Jimmy Fallon. And for those of you who've never seen The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he has this segment on the show that he does every Friday. He tells the audience that he's really sorry, but he's just now getting around to catching up on some tasks And one of those things that he does on Fridays is he asks the the audience, is it okay if I take a few moments to write a couple thank you notes? And the audience, of course, cheers because they know what's coming up. So he gets his pen out and he gets a couple thank you cards out as well. And one of the members of the Roots that plays the, the keyboard, he begins some instrumental music and he takes out his pen and he goes, thank you. Thank you, strawberry hard candy for always showing up in our candy dishes. Nobody ever actually buys you, but somehow you just always wind up there. Or maybe he goes to another one. Thank you, oatmeal, for looking like I already ate you before I actually eat you. Or thank you emails that say you have successfully unsubscribed from these emails for completely missing the point. And then the audience, of course, laughs. Well, here's the thing about Jimmy Fallon. Um, Jimmy, he does this on Fridays, and he always says that he's just now getting around to it. He puts off giving, giving thanks, but it, we, we realize this is just a part of his routine for the show. But I think that there's some, some, a little bit of truth to this. It, maybe you're a little bit like me, and sometimes we tend to put off giving thanks and sharing words of affirmation and appreciation to the people in our lives that deserve a special word of encouragement. We neglect to share these words of affirmation, not just with other people, though. Far too often, we neglect to share words of thanksgiving to the source of which everything we are and have comes from, and that is God. Today, we will look at the importance of thankfulness and the results of thankfulness, and then I hope to share some practical ways that we can become a more thankful people all throughout the year. Will you pray with me? Lord, we invite your spirit to be here with us. Open our hearts and our minds to the things that you would have to say. Lord, I I pray that you would hide me behind the cross as we open your word. Speak to us and meet us where we are. Allow our hearts to be transformed into the people that you would have us to be. A people who would return thanks to a holy God who's worthy and deserving of the praise due to your name. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So as we begin, I think it's best to maybe begin with a question of why thankfulness. I, I'm gonna share with you a practical we- reason and then a spiritual reason as well. Think for a moment about the people that you have in your lives that you interact with on a daily basis. So many of you probably have a family member coming to mind, maybe a co-worker, a neighbor, friend, um, somebody somebody that you just are around a whole lot. And What is something that you enjoy most about those people? Perhaps you enjoy their faithfulness to you or to your family, their dependability, how they're kind to everyone, their sense of humor, their passion, their generosity. Do you know anybody who is always thankful? Those are the people that stand out in my mind. Those are the type of people that I really find joy in being around. Consider for a moment two extremes. You have on one extreme, thankful and grateful people. And then on the other extreme, you have grumblers and complainers. Which type of people do you prefer hanging out with? Do you prefer being around thankful and grateful people or the Debbie Downer? When somebody asks you how you're doing, which one of these categories would you put yourself in? Are, you the, are, are the first words that come out of your mouth something that would complain and be a grumble or something that's, that's going wrong? Or are you going to share thanksgiving and words of appreciation for all that you have going on? Does your heart and mind move you to more toward the sign of grumbling and complaining or toward thanksgiving and gratefulness? There's an even greater reason, though, why I think that we should strive to be a, a, a people of, of thanks, thankfulness. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he gave them instruction and hope about how we are called to live in this crazy world. In First Thessalonians chapter five, verses twelve through eighteen, he wrote these words: "We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil, for evil, but always seek to do good." To one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And then we get to this monumental verse in verse 18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to underline or circle give thanks in all circumstances, because that is really easy to say, but really hard to put into practice. We don't always find ourselves in circumstances where we wish to offer up words of thankfulness. Sometimes we even find ourselves in situations that would be the opposite of wanting to give thanks. Maybe we want to point a finger. Parents in the room, has anybody ever taken your kid out shopping in the middle of a very crowded store and all of a sudden they just pitch an absolute fit? Like none of us as parents would wish to say, thank you God for this such such a special tender moment with my child. Like, nobody actually does that. Um, we, ha- we can maybe think of other circumstances. Maybe there's relationship goals to re- relationship struggles, joblessness to employment. We are called to give thanks in all circumstances because that is the will of Christ Jesus for you. There are very few times in Scripture where it says that this is God's will for you. And whenever I see that, I try to take special note and I underline that, for this is the will of God. Most Most of us really want to know what God's will is for us. We ask God to show us His will. And I can remember doing this a few specific times in my own life. One of those times was I could remember making a decision about what college I was to attend. And I prayed, God, show me your way. Because I know that there's a ripple effect, that one decision can have a lot of repercussions after that. I can remember praying through this decision and asking God to show me his will, because I met this really cute girl at the age of 15 years old, and I just prayed, God, is this what I am to marry? At the age of 21 years old, I proposed to this, fifth, this girl that I'd met when I was 15 as I was wrapping up my final, what did I just say? Did I mess up? I prayed, God, I prayed to God, though, and I said, God, show me your way. And it, he revealed his way, and it was his will. And praise God that he showed that to me as I was wrapping up at Appalachian. And another time when I was when I felt like it was time for me to leave the last church that I was serving in. It was a very difficult decision, but I said, God, show me your way. Is this just something that I want, or is this your will? I think we all want to know what God's will is. Even those who do not yet have a relationship with God, they seek to know the will of the meaning of life, about what they're to do with their future. They look at horoscopes or palm readings or tarot cards, things that might even give them some kind of indication as to how it is that they are supposed to live. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've aligned yourself with the person and teaching of Jesus, thankfulness is God's will for your life. That's how you're supposed to live. And not just this one time of year, not just on a holiday, but all throughout the year. God desires for us to be full of thanksgiving. And I recognize that some of you, 2017 was not the best year. It might not have gone the way that you had hoped. Maybe life hasn't gone the way that you had hoped. And this all seems like a really tall order. But let me share with you why it is a good idea for you to give thanks in all circumstances. So here are three results of thankfulness for you to consider more deeply. The first of those is that thankfulness refocuses my perspective. Thankfulness refocuses my perspective. If you want to know if I practice what I preach, ask my wife, that girl that I had met when I was 15 years old, Casey. I'm not always a very thankful person. I try to be optimistic and cheerful and I try to see the good in everyone, but every great once in a while, only on the rare occasion, I might slip into this attitude of grumbling and complaining. And I know that when I shift into grumbling and complaining, I tend to focus on things that I don't have instead of what I do have. During times of prosperity, when things are going great, most of us tend to forget the great things that we have to be thankful for. During times of crisis... Like we've been experiencing these last couple of months when we've seen things going on in the world around us. Like the fires that are going on in California hurricanes caused by mass hurricanes um, causing mass destruction to places like Puerto Rico and Florida and Houston. Earthquakes in Iraq and Iran. We put life in perspective and we realize the things that really do matter. Sometimes it takes a crisis to help us determine what is of real value. By show of hands, how many of you are like me, and uh, maybe you don't have to raise your hand, but you tend to grumble and complain about finances every once in a while. I I know that that's certainly the case for me. Um, I find myself saying things like, well, I don't have enough money for this, and this trip is just too much, or I wish I could support that ministry and cause, but, and then I'll like fill in the blank. I think we all tend to do this. Casey and I, we love walking around our neighborhood with our kids when the weather's really nice, and as we're, we're going around the neighborhood, I tend to take note of some of the things that my neighbors have. We, we have this one neighbor in our neighborhood, and I, I promise you, he's got grass in his yard that would make Augusta National Golf Club jealous. It would be featured on Golf Digest and Better Homes and Gardens as like the best fescue that you could ever see. Um, it, it's amazing. And as I'm walking around, I see houses like that with nicely manicured yards or super nice cars sitting in the driveway. I find it easy to think about all the things that I don't have. But it's amazing how quickly I can move into this posture of grumbling and complaining. When I begin to grumble and complain about finances, I have to stop my heart. And I have to reflect on all the things that I do have. So here's one way that I'm trying to coach myself into making a more accurate assessment of my life. Let's take a a moment and look at your wardrobe that you're wearing today. Um, I'm wearing a lot of money. And I bet that you are too. Assess for a moment about how much you've spent on your shoes, your pants, your shirt. And if you're wearing any jewelry or accessories, I I would be willing to bet that the cumulative total for your ensemble averaged out by everybody in this room would likely land about between $300 and $400 per person. Now, I I realize some of you are like, I shop at Goodwill, Uh, like we're taking... We're taking the overall assessment of everyone here today, okay? I'd say it's somewhere around that, that number. And it jars me when I hear about things like the poverty that there are in countries like Haiti. My home church of College Park Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, they, they took our youth ministry um, on a trip to Haiti. And everybody that went on this trip, they, they found out a lot of um, jarring statistics. And one of those is that Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere with a per capita income of $400, in rural, rural areas, 100 So just to help you get an idea of this, that is 1.9% of the per capita income of the United States. Or let's focus for a minute on one of our church's strategic mission partners. For those of you who might be new to our church, our church has uh, partnered with a missionary in Kenya, and her name is, is Sherry Thompson, and she has 100 80 street children who are living in what is called the challenge farm for $35 a month per child pays for a partial scholarship or six people can go in and pay for a complete scholarship to provide a child with three meals a day clothing educational materials and other basic living expenses such as bedding toiletries and medical attention for $420 a year A person can make a difference. That's just about $75 more than what I'm wearing on my outfit to help a child for a year than what I'm wearing today. That simple math puts life into perspective, but we don't have to go overseas to see how thankful we should be. Just two years ago in 2015, the Healthways Gallup poll ranked Winston-Salem as number 16 out of 20 for families with children reporting food insecurity. More than half of Winston-Salem Forsyth County school children receive free or reduced-priced lunch. Now, do I say all this to, feel, to make us feel guilty and like my desire is for us to all leave this place with our head hung? No, not, not at all. Like, I, as a matter of fact, I share these things because I think that it should allow us to put things into perspective. We should realize how incredibly grateful and thankful we are and should be. And because of that, we have food, we have clothing options, at our prayer and praise service this past Sunday, Pastor David pointed out that even Jesus, as he was instituting the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he took a moment before he actually gave out the meal, and he returned thanks to God. This is something that I think that we all tend to do, and if not, we should do. With the heart of thanksgiving, we can become the best possible stewards of our resources and make a difference for the kingdom of God. But it begins with a transformed heart, full of thanksgiving. I might not have a fancy front yard, but I might have—I do have a lot to be thankful for. Things come and go; the stuff that we have cannot be taken with us into eternity. The apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter eight, verse six: "For to set the mind on the on, on the the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace." When I focus on what I'm thankful for, my perspective changes. I'm able to delight in God's provision for me and it helps me do as Paul wrote in this letter to the Romans and helps me set my mind on God instead of things of this world. When I don't have this posture of thankfulness, I tend to grumble and complain. A thankful heart changes our perspective and it opens our eyes to God's perspective and God's desire for us to live our lives and it calls me to action to want to help others. The second way is that thankfulness refreshes my heart. Thankfulness refreshes my heart. One of the best scriptures that I can think of in regards to thanksgiving was written by the great King David of the Old Testament. And he wrote this in Psalm chapter 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with the songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. And then it changes a little bit. There's there's a transformation that 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 David writes about. He says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in Meribah, As on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. You see, the Israelites were God's chosen people, and God was providing for the nation of Israel every single thing that they needed. He was making them a nation. He was saving them from their enemies. He was dealing boldly with the people who were opposing Israel, but they were hardening their hearts, and they were not thankful. And ultimately, the Israelites, they paid a price. To withhold thanksgiving is an offense to God. A thankful heart softens a hardened heart. You cannot have a hardened heart when you are being thankful. A thankful heart finds healing through refreshment. A thankful heart also guards us from sin. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thanking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. By having a refreshed heart of thanksgiving, we can guard ourselves against sin. Sometimes our hearts need a recalibration, the same way that we would take our car to a mechanic, to a, allow them to, to work on the alignment if it's driving off course a little bit. Maybe so to our hearts need this occasional readjusting. And the third way is that thankfulness reminds me of God's goodness. Thankfulness reminds me of God's goodness. When you are a, thinkf- when you are a thankful person, you're always brought back to what God has done for you and who God is. Righteous. King David wrote Psalm chapter 7, but before we read a part of that psalm, I want to take a look at David's highlight reel of his life. He slayed a giant who was a tyrant and a bully with a sling and a single stone. He was threatened by King Saul who was jealous of him. King David also captured Jerusalem and ultimately he became the king of of Israel and he saw firsthand the goodness of God and how God was guiding his life. Psalm chapter 7 is referred to as a lament or a passion or ex- this expression of grief or sorrow. David had another person in, the, in this tribe of Benjamin who was slandering his name. Surely David was, was feeling downcast and he was really tar- like upset by the, his name being tarnished in such a bad way. So he cries out to God. In the opening verses he says that God is his refuge when his enemies pursue his soul. And then he finishes out the psalm in in chapter 7, and verse 17, and he says this, I will give thanks to the Lord, the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Even though David had, had enemies and certainly circumstances that anybody could have probably wanted to get out of, even though he made poor life choices and sinned against God by sleeping with Bathsheba, who was the wife of another man and then had Bathsheba's husband killed to cover his own sin, David became known as a man after God's own heart. And I think that is only possible because he truly repented of that sin and because he knew knew and led others to understand the goodness and the greatness of God. God is good and he is worthy of our praise. So here are three specific ways in which I think God is good and worthy of our thanks and praise. The first is that God is good because he gives us free gifts. He gives us free gifts. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace is favor from God that we don't deserve. Now, if you've grown up in church, maybe you're not familiar with some of the language that we tend to use in church sometimes, and that's okay. It can get pretty confusing. I would have had no idea what the word grace meant had I not ever come to church. I would have probably thought it was just a girl's name or something like that. But grace is basically undeserved favor. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. It's a free gift. Now, I don't mean to embarrass anybody or call anybody out. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. But if you happen to be a first-time guest with us this morning, this is your very first time worshiping with us at River Oaks, I have a gift for you. And if you're here today, would you just slip up your hand, and I'm going to give you a $20 bill. First time. Very first time. Oh, we got one one in the back. All right. Since you're in the very back of the room, I'm going to be down here at the end of the service. This $20 bill is for you, my friend, all right? So um, come back next week. David Beatty gives out $100 bills for first-time guests. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't do that. But did, did my new friend back here do anything to, to deserve that $20 bill? No, not at all. It's, it's an unmerited gift that I'm just going to give him because he's here with us this morning. The same is true of us. Do we deserve God's kindness? No. Do we deserve his mercy? No. Do we deserve his forgiveness? No. As a matter of fact, what we deserve is the opposite of all those. We, we deserve the wrath of God. It's a holy wrath because of the way that we um, have sinned against him. What we deserve is the opposite of mercy. Yet God loves us and he gives us free gifts. That's one reason to be thankful. And another reason to be thankful is that God is good because of his unconditional love. God loves us not for what we've done, but for who we are and for whose we are. That's an important truth to know. God loves us not for what we've done, but because of who we are. God's love for us is not based on your income. It's not based on your job, your looks, your achievements. God's love for you has no strings attached. There's nothing that you can ever do to earn. God's love. I heard a story about a girl, a little girl named Susie, and her dad was a businessman who did a lot of um, world traveling. And she was about eight or nine years old, and she had one of the biggest and best doll collections that had ever been given because her dad, every time he would go on a trip, he would bring her back a different doll, doll from the places that he would visit. She had dolls from China and Africa, Mexico, Japan, France, Egypt, And one night, a business associate came over to their house for dinner and they were sitting around the dinner table and little Susie had invited this business associate of of her father's to to go up and to see her doll collection. So as soon as they were done eating, they all proceeded to go upstairs and he saw this glass case full of all these dolls from all over the world. And he said, Susie, this is incredible. I've never seen anything at all like this. Which one of these is your favorite doll? And without any hesitation, Susie went into the closet. She reached down into this bucket and pulled out a doll. The doll was messy to the point of being broken. It was missing an eye. The arm was chewed off. The hair was ratty. Some of the clothes were missing. It was tainted. It was stained. Susie said, this is my favorite doll. The visitor was a little stunned and asked, why is that your favorite doll? And she looked him in the eye and she said, if I don't love this doll, nobody else will. You and I are the doll in the hands of God. We're beat up, we're blemished, we're imperfect, we're missing parts, and honestly, we are inadequate in every single way. Yet God loves us as if we are the only one to love. And that is a reason to be thankful. God is good because of his unconditional love for us. And another reason is that God is good because of eternal life. Pastor Andrew, he preached on this last Sunday on the Life Everlasting and if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ and acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior, you get to reap the benefit of one of the best inheritances that there has ever been given. You get to spend the rest of an eternity around the throne of God. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And he's praying for them in his letter that they would be filled with the knowledge of God and God's will. And they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And then we get to this verse in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. If you are not yet a believer, I'm glad that you're here. And I pray that you would incline your heart to God and that you would surrender to Him so that you too one day would be able to reap the benefit of this great inheritance Jesus tells us in his, in his word, he's, he's telling the crowds that are around him, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through me. And so if you have come to the Father through Jesus Christ, and you've surrendered your life to him, you get to receive this inheritance that has no measure. In the midst of all the chaos and the evil that's happening in this world, we can be thankful that heaven is going to be a wonderful place. There will be no more fear. There will be no more pain. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The, the lame will walk. And the bald will have ha- Maybe they'll have hair. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place. And we get to receive that blessing. So let's move from thinking about God and his goodness. And how you and I can become more thankful people. Not just on one day out of a year. But all throughout the year. Year round. The first way that we can apply this to our lives is that we can make thankfulness your attitude. You see, thankfulness is an attitude but the question is, is it your attitude? Some of us need to realize that our circumstances might not ever change, but our attitude can. Some of us have current pain that we are going through, and that might not ever go away. God doesn't expect us to be thankful for death or for poverty or for pain for suffering. But in the midst of the pain, we can strive to have an attitude of thanksgiving to God. Thankfulness is an attitude that begins in the morning. It starts when you wake up and you say, good morning, God. Today I'm thankful for. And then you tell them what you're thankful for. As I look at you, some, some of the people in this room, I realize not everybody is a morning person. I am. Um, y'all are here at the 11 o'clock service. So I'm just kidding. Um, But some of us, I realize that not everybody's a morning person, and some of you hit the snooze button five, six, seven times, and and you wake up saying, "Good God, it's morning!" Instead of "Good morning, God," right? Like it's sometimes it's just our posture. It's okay. But Psalm chapter ninety-two, verses one to two, says this: "It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, and your faithfulness." night. A thankful heart and a thankful attitude rises above circumstances. We are not always dealt the best deck of cards. I love the attitude of the little boy with the baseball bat who thought that he was the greatest hitter in the world. And so he was self-pitching to himself one day, got his ball out and his bat threw the ball up in the air. He swung and he missed because the ball landed right at his feet. So he tried to to share with himself these words of affirmation, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. So he picked the ball back up, threw it up in the air, and he missed again. He said, I am the greatest hitter in the world. I'm going to do this. He threw the ball up in the air, third time, strike three, he swung, the ball fell at his feet. And he said, I am the greatest pitcher in the world. (laughs) You see, we're going to strike out in some areas of our lives. That's a fact. And as a matter of fact, Sometimes failure helps us rely more on God so that we can grow in ways that we wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Our circumstances might not ever change, but our attitudes can. Make thankfulness your attitude. The second way that we can apply this is to make an inventory of why it is that you're thankful. Make an inventory of why you're thankful. We have so many reasons to be thankful. Making an inventory of your thankfulness changes your perspective, moves you from grumbling and complaining to being grateful where that was God's will. Make the list and do it daily. Let that list of thanksgiving expand. Let it change. Go back and read over old lists and compare that to the list that you currently have. Return thanks to the Lord for he is good. I'm amazed sometimes at what my kids can teach me. I was praying with my son, Jet. He's um, three years old. Uh, and This was a couple of weeks ago, back when those fires were going on out in California. And um, I was just saying, you know, God, thank you that we have a house because not everybody has a house. And Jet like interrupted me in the middle of this prayer. And he said, yeah, God, and thank you for closets and for toy chests and for lamps and all the other. He was just looking around the room and pointing out all the things that he saw with his little nightlight on. But it taught me like there was something special in that moment that God taught me. And that I'm not always grateful for the small things in life. I'm I think that I'm okay and pretty thankful for all the big things, but I so often forget about the small things in life. Jet taught me something very special in that moment. Most of us have options for the clothes that we wear in the closet. We have food to pick out from in the pantry. And we should be thankful for all the small things and the big things. James chapter 5 verse 13 tells us to sing praises to God for those things. Is anybody among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs of praise. It takes three weeks to start a habit and then three additional weeks to solidify it. So if you are thankful for six weeks straight, this attitude of gratitude will then become a habit. It's not easy, but it is worth it. And the third way is to make God the source of your thankfulness. Make God the source of your thankfulness. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 says this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with all. People can take away your home. People can take away your job. Your savings account might go down to nothing. But they can never take away your relationship with Jesus. In our core beliefs, this is a doctrine that we call perseverance of the saints or eternal security. It's it's a doctrine that asserts that once a person is truly born of God or regenerated by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then nothing in heaven or on earth shall be able to separate us from the love of God, resulting in a reversal of this converted condition. Nothing can ever take away what God has done to seal you with his Holy Spirit. So here's the big idea. If you were to make God the source of your thankfulness, you will always be thankful because God promises to never leave us and to never forsake us. Friday, uh, September 30th. Now, before I begin the story, let me just say that I could highlight so many different people in our church congregation. There's so many wonderful stories that could be shared about how people are thankful, but I have a very special story. Friday, September 30th of last year. a then 10-year-old in our church family, Emma Hemphill, was hobbling around, and she was complaining that her leg hurt. By Sunday morning, she could not walk at all, so they brought her to their pediatrician that afternoon. The doctor recommended an x-ray, so her mother Megan brought Emma to the hospital to see an orthopedist. And the the films showed clear lines on the edge of her tibia, but the edge of the secondary bone, her fibula, were fuzzy. By 11 p.m. on Sunday, Emma was getting an MRI. And what should have been just a 20-minute test ended up taking an hour and a half. The radiologists kept requesting different views because they had discovered a tumor so large that it had actually fractured her fibula. This was the only symptom of what was diagnosed on October 3rd as Ewing sarcoma a rare form of bone cancer that affects three in a million children her age. So immediately they began treatments for her rare cancer. Having already experienced the joy of Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes that our church just wrapped up doing, Emma wanted to do something more in the midst of her treatments. People came by to visit her in the hospital and asked what she wanted to, or, or if she needed anything. And unlike most of the other 10-year-olds that I know, she was asking for toys school supplies, and hygiene items for her her room on the ninth floor of Brenner Children's Hospital. Not for herself, but for them to be packed in what turned out to be 110 shoeboxes that were sent all over the world, sharing the love of Jesus Christ with children who have very little to nothing. She said, I just want them all to know and to love Jesus. Emma said, she wanted the boxes to bring them lots of joy. You see, even in the midst of her pain and the struggle, even in the midst of the surgery that she had to have on her leg, even in the midst of the bad deck of cards that she had been dealt, she didn't grumble or complain. She continues to inspire me because she has this attitude of gratitude. She's thankful to be a blessing to others and she wants more and more children around the world to receive the blessings of gifts, but more importantly, the blessings of hearing about what Jesus has done for them. I'm pleased to share with you, I think I learned this just a few moments ago, um, Megan's here and she can maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, they, she, she went in just this past week or a week before that and she has zero cancer. Her, her scans are clear. <laughs> people like Emma inspire me. Thankfulness will change your life. Let's strive to learn from people like Emma. Let's start today and give thanks to God in all circumstances, every day, for the rest of our lives. Let's live every day with this attitude of gratitude and remember all that God has done to us and done for us. To God be the glory. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time where we could worship you. From the moment that we wake in the morning until we close our eyes at night, let us strive to be a people who return thanks for your provision in our lives. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your grateful, your, your, your greatness. Lord, we pray, God, that you would allow those who are here today, who are going through a very difficult circumstance, to express the joy for the things that they do have in life, even in the midst of the pain, the suffering, in the, in the midst of the good times and the bad. Lord, allow us to return thanks for all that you have done for us. Allow us to be transformed by the power of your Holy Spirit working in us, and allow us to point others in this world around us to the foot of the cross where you can take over. Lord, we thank you for this time together, and we give you thanks in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.